Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. You're listening to the Wijha Initiative podcast. These podcast episodes are recordings of our past events that we hold in person on a weekly basis. We hope that by listening to the podcast, you'll be inspired to join us at an event. To keep up with our work, please follow us on Instagram. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen wa salatu wa salamu ala Sayyidina Muhammadin wa alihi wa sahbihi ajma'een. Allahumma allimna ma yanfa'una wa anfa'na bima allamtana. Wazidna min fadlika ilman wa amalan ya Rabbil Alameen amma ba'd. So we're continuing through the book, uh, Healing the Emptiness by Yasmin Mujahid. We've reached a section where she talks about spiritual tools and prescriptions that a person can use to try to heal, to try to get through the pain or the difficulty they're experiencing in their lives. So she starts with one. One being submission to Allah. One of the ways that we can get through difficulty in life is by submitting ourselves to Allah. See the word Islam. The word Islam, interesting, it comes from the root letters Seen, Lam, Meem. One meaning of that, Salam, is peace. Another meaning though, is to hand something over. Sallamahu ilayhi. He handed it over to somebody. If you take someone, hands over something to someone else, you use the same root letters. Sallamahu ilayhi. There's a type of transaction known as bay'ur salam. So, what we're seeing with Islam as well is to submit. It, it's to submit. You know, you submit an assignment. What does it mean to submit an assignment? To hand the assignment in to the teacher. In Islam, when you submit, you submit, you hand yourself over to Allah. Not only yourself, but you hand over control of all affairs to Allah. You recognize that ultimately, ultimately, in the grand scheme of things, Allah controls all affairs. Now, how does that help a person heal? How would this concept be a means of benefit? Let's, let's take a step back here. And let's look at the Qur'an. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Hijr. He, at the very ending of the surah, there's, an, there's two ayat, or three. Allah ta'ala says, وَلَقَدْ نَعْلَمْ أَنَّكَ يَضِيقُ صَدْرُكَ بِمَا يَقُولُونَ Addressing the Prophet wasallam, Allah ta'ala tells him, Indeed, we know that what these people are saying about you, we know that it's hurting your heart. That because of what they're saying, you're feeling very restricted. You're feeling very, your heart, the word here is يَضِيقُ sadruk. دَاقَ يَضِيقُ It means to be tight and constrained. You understand the idea of... of in, internally you feel very um, constricted. You get that idea? As opposed to just feeling free. You know after an exam, you know like after you handed it in, you walk out, what do you feel? You feel free. It's just like, this, it's like just you're lighter. 
And when there's stress and there's some anxiety in your life, there's this constriction you experience. Deeq. Allah says, we know that you're feeling this constriction because of what they're saying about you. And that's interesting. Because the Prophet ﷺ had the strongest iman, the strongest faith. He had the strongest relationship with Allah. One would think that if you have such faith, when you're going through something difficult, you shouldn't, you shouldn't experience any difficulty. Because your, your iman is just so strong apparently. That's not what the ayah is saying. The ayah is saying, O Muhammad وسلم, Allah is telling him, Indeed, we know that your heart is constricted because of what they're saying. Oh, don't care about what people say. It's kind of hard. It's kind of hard to just ignore what people say. Do you get it? And so the Prophet ﷺ was being called a liar. He was being accused of being a magician, a sorcerer. Uh, he was being accused of many things. Some accused him of being after power. And this, this hurt him. Allah then tells him in the next verse what to do. You're experiencing this constriction. فَسَبِّحْ بِحَمْدِ رَبِّكَ وَكُمْ مِنَ السَّاجِدِينَ وَاعْبُدْ رَبَّكَ حَتَّى يَأْتِيَكَ الْيَقِينَ Allah gives him a few commands. You're feeling this constriction, and we know about it. And that's a beautiful expression, by the way. That's a beautiful expression. Allah is telling him, O Prophet, we know it's hard. And we know you're in pain. It's a beautiful thing, no? One of the first ways to connect with somebody when they're going through something is to validate their pain. Say, yeah, yeah, it's tough, it's hard. I know it's difficult. With children, it's very common. You know children when they're like really upset and they really want something? And to let them know, I know you want it. I know you really want it, but you can't have it. Not just you can't have it, but to validate, look, I understand you. I get where you're coming from. I'm aware that you want it. Because sometimes they almost feel like you don't get it. No, I want it. I want it. And you're like, look, I understand you want it. And I know you really want it. And you've been waiting all day for this, but you can't have it. And I know your cousin has one but you can't have it, right? To validate that pain at first. To say that, you know, it's a real pain. The Prophet ﷺ is being told, and this is not only one ayah, by the way. There are multiple verses. In multiple verses, Right? Allah in multiple verses tells him, O Prophet, we know you're in pain. We see your pain. And we're telling you that, that you should not have pain over them. Now, how do you just erase it? How do you just erase that pain? Allah tells him in the next ayah, in Surah Al-Hijr, what to do. And that's the lesson for us. Allah tells him, فَسَبِّحْ بِحَمْدِ رَبِّكَ Do tasbih. Praise and glorify your Lord. Say subhanallah. What, what does subhanallah mean? Anyone know? When you say subhanallah, what's the real ultimate meaning behind it? Anyone? Glory to God. Glory be to God. What does that mean? That's like fancy English, yo. Glory be to God, like what? 
Glorify. Same thing, man. <laughs> this is another derivative, you know what I mean? Help me out here. What are we talking about? Subhanallah. Yeah. Like how perfect Allah is. Yes. Tasbih and sabbaha yusabbih. All this comes from that root meaning of Allah is free from all imperfections. Tasbih is to declare God free from all imperfections. That He is perfect, as you said, absolutely. Okay, that's important because here's the question we're going to ask after I read these ayat. How does saying subhanallah and God is free of all defects, how does that help my pain? Do you understand? Okay, Allah says after that, فَسَبِّحْ بِحَمْدِ رَبِّكْ Another thing Allah says, وَكُمْ مِنَ السَّاجِدِينَ and, and prostrate. Be from those who prostrate. Sujood, you know, sajda. Again, how does that help your pain? Right? It's a question. Then the last thing Allah says, وَعْبُدْ رَبَّكْ And worship your Lord, حَتَّى يَأْتِيَكَ الْيَقِينَ Until death comes to you. Yaqeen here, conviction comes to you. The scholars mention, Yaqeen here means death, because death is certain. Okay, here's the question you want to ask. Allah is saying, Oh Muhammad wasallam, you're in pain. So do these three things. Do tasbih, right? Declare God to be perfect, okay? Prostrate, okay? Worship, okay? How does any of that help my pain? Now, somebody, some of you might say, Astaghfirullah. How are you going to ask that? Allah is telling you in the Quran, do it, and you're saying, how? Do you get where I'm coming from? The mufassirun, the scholars, the commentators, they asked this question. Al-Imam Al-Razi, in his tafsir, he asked this question. He says, someone might say, how do any of these three things help reduce your pain? Do you understand? And why do I mention that? I mention that because sometimes we're the first, first ones to call ourselves bad Muslims. Oh, I shouldn't be asking this question. How could I question God? No, 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 you're not saying God's wrong. You're saying, oh Allah, I, I want to understand the deeper significance here. And part of the problem here, why we would never understand why subhanAllah can reduce my pain, saying subhanAllah, how's that going to reduce my pain? Is because we don't really know what subhanAllah means. Many of us have been saying subhanAllah for a long time now. Do you get what I mean? Like after prayers, 33 times, right? Many of us have been doing that. We have no idea what it means. We never, we never pause to say, wait, what does that even mean? Why am I saying this? And so subhanAllah, by saying Allah is free from all imperfections, how does that reduce my pain? Al-Imam Al-Razi mentions that there's a few things here that we can talk about actually that apply to all three, of saying subhanAllah, of prostrating or worship, all three things, when you do them, you turn to Allah. You're focusing on God. You're focusing on the hereafter. Do you understand? So imagine there's pain in your life, and then you sit down, and you remember God. SubhanAllah. Now, specifically, subhanAllah, one of the things that can cross our minds when we're going through difficulty is what? How could God do this to me? Right? When you're going through pain, how could God do this to me? You say subhanAllah to say what? 
To say God is free from all imperfections. When I question and I say, how could God do this to me? Indirectly, I'm saying, this seems a bit unjust. What God is doing with me right now, I don't really deserve this. This is a bit unjust. When you say, subhanAllah, you say, oh Allah, you are free from all imperfections, including injustice. Whatever is happening right now is pure justice. You're reminding yourself to not object to it. Do you understand? One of the, the deeper meaning when you say subhanallah in that moment of pain that Allah is telling us to do? Do you guys get this or not? Is it, is it too like technical? Look, when you go through pain, we often indirectly object. What do we say? We say, oh Allah, like why me? Or how could this happen? And this is not supposed to happen. Or there's an indirect objection to it. Oh Allah, you're not supposed to make this happen. We're saying this is not right. We're saying, God, you're being unjust. I didn't do anything to deserve this. When we say subhanAllah, we're reminding ourselves, God is free from all imperfections, including injustice. We're reminding ourselves that what's happening is justice. God is perfect. He never does anything wrong. He never does things that are not just. Okay, وَكُمْ مِنَ السَّاجِدِينَ Allah says, and, and prostrate. How would sajda help you in, 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 in healing your heart? Anybody? Any ideas? How going in prostration, putting your forehead on the ground, how that would help you heal? Any ideas? Have any of you ever tried? Nobody's ever cried? Surrendering to his orders, right. But just in a, in a literal sense, you're in sajda. How does that heal your heart? How does that heal your heart? Anybody? Being his servant. Being his servant. Okay. What else? No? Nobody? How do you, what is the closest position a human being could be in this world to God? Sujood. It's interesting because what did Fir'aun say? Fir'aun said, build me a high like, like structure because I want to get up there and see God. Our Prophet told us, it's down here that you're closest to God. You see the difference there? The difference is that Fir'aun thought of God as a very physical being up in the sky. And what we were taught about our deen, in our deen, is that your Lord is someone very close to you. You don't have to climb up high. If anything, you actually have to lower yourself. The Prophet ﷺ tells us, أَقْرَبُ مَا يَكُونُ الْعَبْدُ مِنْ رَبِّهِ عَزَّ وَهُوَ سَاجِدٌ The closest the servant is to Allah is when they're in sajda. You want the help of Allah? You go towards Allah. And to go towards Him and get near to Him, you go to sajda, you go prostration. Prostration is a perfect time and a perfect position to cry in, right? Because nobody sees your tears. Do you understand what I'm trying to say here? And we're not even talking about prayer, by the way. Because when I talk about prostration, people think, i got to be praying. No, 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 no. We're talking about just in prostration. You don't even have to be praying. And how that can heal you. And it's very powerful, by the way. Again, a lot of us take it for granted. But one of the things about non-Muslims, for example, when they're exploring Islam, they find this position to be very fascinating. Because you're sticking your backside above your head. 
You get it? You're putting your forehead on the ground. Like if someone pushes you, it's different. But someone like hits you in the face, you're like, hey, like that's really like, no. Right? Pushing is still like, okay, whatever, people push each other. But if someone sticks their hand in your face, you're like, yo, my face, you don't do that. And here you are taking your face and putting it on the ground. It's a very powerful thing. Right? And, and, and it really kind of reminds you. Some of the scholars, they mention, they mention, you know when you go in sajda, they say, in that moment, remember the ayah of Qur'an, minha khalaqnakum. And every time you go in sajda, you go sajda once, you sit down briefly between, and then you go back for a second one in prayer, right? Always. It says, the first time you're in sajda, remember, minha khalaqnakum. Allah says, from this earth we created you. Remember that, every time you're in sajda. And then when you sit down for that brief moment, that's your life. Before what happens? Before you go back in for the second sajda. وَفِيهَا نُعِيدُكُمْ And to this earth we will return you. And then when you finally get up from that, that's the day when you stand before your Lord. Because that's, that's exactly what you're doing in your prayer. You're standing before your Lord. Just like Allah will resurrect everybody from the earth to stand before Him on the final day. You get that? There's a very powerful symbolism in every sujood, in every sajda, to remind us of the final day. And when you remember the final day, the scholars mention, when you remember the final day, you, you realize how insignificant the world is. You realize how insignificant the world is. If you were to die tomorrow, what of this world would matter to you? If someone came to you and said, hey man, uh, remember that last time we went out to eat and like, I paid for your burger? You wouldn't even be trying to like, remember, is it true or not, would you? Would you pause in that moment and be like, wait, is it true? You'd be like, dude, I'm about to die, yo, you take this. Right, like whatever money, you can take double the money, yo. Do you get what I'm saying? Because for the one who has the hereafter in front of them, what of this matters? What of this matters? And it's crazy, man, because we don't, we, don't, we, don't, we don't live like it's a real thing. Um, anyways, now, one of the things that we can also take from this ayah that we've been talking about is... How can a heart that's not fulfilling its purpose ever find peace? Ever find peace? Because Allah is telling us, your heart is constricted, you're feeling pain, turn back to Allah. Like, how, does that, how does that help, man? Like life is hard, and now you're telling me go, to, go pray and go worship. And How does that help me? Because the heart that's not fulfilling its purpose will never find true peace. And here's an analogy I give a lot. Imagine you have a test coming up and you do everything but prepare. Are you really at peace deep down? You're having all the fun in the world, but you're not preparing for the test. How much fun can you really have without in the back of your mind there being this guilt? Do you get it? We all know we're going to pass away. Deep down there's this guilt of what am I doing for it? And some of us, we think we're young forever until we wake up with back pain. You know, Allah Ta'ala speaks in the Qur'an about sending warners to human beings to remind them of the final day or remind them of their death. Allah says in the Qur'an. And a warner came to you. Now, one of the common translations of that is a prophet came to you. 
For me and you, no prophet came to us directly. There was no prophet in our time. Some of the scholars say, white hair is the warner. What warner came to you to remind you of death? White hair. Because dude, if you got black hair, you'd be like, yeah, I still got life to live. Right? It's after your hair turns white. What you waiting for, man? After that is that is death. Do you understand? This is a warner that, yeah, it's time, it's time to change your life. And some of us are like, I don't want to hear the warner. And I don't want to see the warner. Let's dye my hair. You know what I'm saying? I'm not, I'm not saying it's haram to dye your hair, yo. That's not a fatwa. I'm just saying. We have like this aversion to it. Secretly, some of us are ageist, yo. I tell you. You know, we don't want to admit it, but we are. Allah give us tawfiq to understand that this is a reminder. Like, you ever thought about that? Why does your hair turn white? You could just die. If Allah wanted, He could create a system where you have black hair till you die. Why, why, why turn it white? What could possibly be a reason? Do you understand what I'm trying to say here? What's the wisdom in your hair turning white? One wisdom definitely is that what? It reminds you you're getting towards the end. It's not something that we like to think about, but it's the reality. The point is, the heart that's not preparing for what it's here for, not serving its purpose, how can it ever find peace? Now Allah Ta'ala tells us in the Qur'an, if you remember Allah, or it, rather it is in the remembrance of Allah that the hearts find peace. Many of us have seen that. We've read that verse. We've seen people post it on Instagram. Right? The classic. What does that mean? Imagine you're going through something difficult and someone gives you like, tells you, hey, say subhanAllah, alhamdulillah, Allahu Akbar. You say it and you're like, yeah, I don't feel better. My heart's not at peace, yo. I'm still stressed about whatever that is happening. How does that give you peace? Anyone? Reassurance of? Beautiful. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I mention this a lot. In our problems, we often zoom in on our problem. And all we can see is our problem. All we can see is our pain. And through the dhikr of Allah, if you remember... See, remember does not mean to say the words only. And that's the mistake we all make. Even in our prayer, you ever read there's a verse in the Quran where Allah says, prayer will stop you from committing sins and acts of immorality. You guys read that verse? Inna salata tanha anil wal munkar. It's a verse in the Quran. I think it's Surah Al Ankabut, I think. Allah says that prayer will stop you from committing sins. And someone's like, well, wait, 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 I pray all the time, five times. It doesn't seem to stop me. So is the Quranic verse wrong? No. It's what's the quality of your prayer? That's why some of them said, if your prayer is not stopping you from sin, then what kind of a prayer do you really have? It's a real question here. How, like, do we even remember God in the remembrance of God? One of my teachers used to call it the AK-47 dhikr. Boom, done. There was a whole bunch of words with no remembrance of God. No, like, let's be real. What does it mean to remember God? It's to actually remember. What is 
remembrance without any remembrance. Do you understand? And then we wonder why there's no peace in the heart. Why we're not, my heart's not feeling content because you just said words. You didn't remember. I mean, some of the scholars mention, dhikr is not about remembering God, it's about never forgetting. The one who never forgets never has to remember. Do you understand? The one who never forgets never has to remember. That's truly what it means to live in that state. And so, this is really important, that we look at the state of our acts of worship, and we'll realize why we're not seeing the fruits of them. Because Allah is telling us, the fruits of dhikr is your heart will find peace. The fruits of prayer is that you'll be saved from sin. But we're not seeing the fruits. There must be something wrong in the seed. Do you get it? You know, the idea that we would pray a whole prayer without remembering God once. Or that we remember Allah in the Allahu Akbar and... And we forget him till the last salam. Do you know what I'm saying? Like one of my teachers used to say that what we do is we come to the masjid, we drop our bodies off for prayer, and mentally, mashallah, we travel the world. And then when the salam, Imam says salam, or we come back and we pick up our bodies and we go back to town. You get it? That's what we do. There's a beautiful poem. Uh, it's attributed to the great poet, the Pakistani poet. Um, or before the partition, whatever you want to call that, uh, Muhammad Iqbal. But he says, but, but whoever it is, it's attributed to him, but to my best understanding, to my knowledge, it's not actually his. But he said, uh, he said, Sajdai ishqo to ibadat me mazaatai. Khali sajdo me to dunya hi basa karti hai. He says, if, if your prostration is an is a prostration of love, then you'll see your worship be transformational. Then you'll enjoy your worship. He goes, empty prostrations, prostrations where you're, you're thinking about everything but Allah. Your head is in the court of Allah, but your mind is on whatever you're going to do after the prayer. He said, that anybody can do. And that's what most people do. He says that He goes, people say, I'm just going to pray the fard only. No sunnah, no nafil, just pray the fard, just the fard. He said, it's like Allah has lent us some money and we're like, we're going to pay it back to the last cent, not one cent more. Oh Allah, you asked for five prayers and we're going to give you only five prayers. Sunnah, good luck. No, we're going to give you five prayers and nothing more. But that's the way we, that's our relationship with it. And then he says, Tere sajde tujhe kafir nakarde e iqbal. Tu jukta kahi or hai, sochta kahi or. He says, hopefully your prostrations don't actually disconnect you from Allah, O iqbal. Why? Because your head is in prostration in front of Allah, but your heart and your mind is everywhere else. Like you couldn't find anybody, you know, Mufti Hussain Kamani, uh, Mufti Kamani at the RIS, he said, beautiful thing. He said, he said really, you couldn't find anywhere else to, to think about the dunya? You actually brought your head to the masjid, put it in prostration in front of Allah, and said, okay, now it's time to think about the dunya. He said, come on. <coughs> Do you understand? 
Like, where are we at? Those of you who don't know Urdu, y'all gotta learn Urdu, yo. <laughs> I, I love saying that because I know a lot of people say, oh, I wish you knew Arabic to appreciate the Arabic poem. I'm telling you, man, you gotta appreciate, to appreciate this poem. Gotta know Urdu. Um, but it's a beautiful lesson for us, right? The idea that, what is the state of our worship? And then we wonder why these spiritual tools aren't benefiting me. Shaykh, you know, dhikr is not helping me. Prayer is not really helping me heal. It's like, you know, like one scholar, he said, he said, an apple a day keeps the doctor away, provided that the, the apple's real and it's not rotten. You get it? Provided that an ap the apple is real and it's not rotten. Well, prayer is going to definitely keep you away from sin, provided it's a real prayer. The remembrance of Allah will bring peace to your heart. Like you mentioned, when you remember Allah, what are you remembering? You're remembering that He's in control. And so long as He's in control, everything will be alright. And you might say, well, I don't know about that. I don't have any guarantee. This brings us to the second, the second tool that we'll talk about next week. And that is gratitude. You say that you're in a difficult position right now, and you're not sure if things are going to work out. Have you forgot about the past? Have you forgot about how you got here today? Look where you are. Look where you are. Some of you probably in grade 9 never thought you'd get into a good university. And here, here you are, you got in. And then when in first year you thought so many times, Yo, I'll never make it through this, I'm just going to drop out at some point. And you made it through it and here you are. And then you graduated and thought, oh, no one's going to hire me because I, I don't know anything. I didn't pay attention, I was skipping class all the time. But you landed the job. Do you understand? The Allah that brought you here, all of a sudden He's going to let you down? That's what gratitude's about. Gratitude is not just about, oh, thank you, Allah. It's even in those moments when you don't have anything, you don't forget what He's given you, up until now. And someone might say, well, He hasn't given me much. Oof. Well, that's where we really need to start thinking deeply about our statements. Um, and we'll talk about that next week, inshallah. May Allah ta'ala grant us tawfiq to really make our acts of worship Acts of worship. To give life and spirit to the body of our worship. Because inshallah we have the body. If we don't have the body, Allah grant us the body. If we have the body of worship, the outer form of worship, may He grant us life and spirit in our worship. So that ultimately we can see and reap the, the benefits and fruits of that worship. Ameen Ya Rabbil Alameen. Jazakumullah khair to everybody for coming out. And... Uh, ولكل وجهة هو موليها فاستبقوا الخيرات أينما تكونوا يأتي بكم الله جميعا إن الله على كل شيء قدير